Welcome back to the Think Deeper podcast. I am your co-host, Will Harib, joined by Joe and Jack Wilkie, as always. We're excited to be back with another episode, a um, very, very interesting episode this week that we're excited to get into and, and kind of talk about uh, what our response should be from a Christian perspective. Before we do, I'm going to uh, mention one more time, I think we mentioned it several weeks ago, that uh, we have Focus Press, that is, has launched a new curriculum. Uh, we're calling it the Renew Curriculum, Renew Your Mind Curriculum, one of those two. I think just Renew is what we went with. Um, essentially, it's four quarters worth of excellent Bible class material. Um, you, as your congregation, basically let us know, do you need five You know, for a class of five, a class of 10, 15, whatever, and uh, we ship you everything you need, the books, the teacher guides, um, covers a wide range of stuff from Christian evidences to kind of first principle, new Christian type stuff to church life stuff with Jack's book, Church Reset, all the way to an exegetical uh, kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter uh, guide to the book of Mark. So a lot of stuff there. We've talked about it before. I didn't want to spend a ton of time, but um, we do know there's always um, kind of need for Bible class material, some really, really good curriculum um, that people are looking for. And so that is what we're going to push this morning um, is if you are in need of some kind of Bible class curriculum for your congregation, or maybe you're in charge of the education committee or whatever it is, Focus Press does offer that renewed curriculum. Uh, but guys, that is all that I've got to get into this morning. Uh, Joe, I'm going to let you take it away for, I mean, you put together a great outline for what we're talking about today. I haven't even revealed it yet. I guess people click on the title. They know what it's about. But Joe, what are we talking about today for this episode? Absolutely. We're talking about how a Christian ought to respond to artificial intelligence. And for those watching, by the way, Jack may be glitching. Um, if, if you're listening, you're not going to pick up on it at all. Jack may have some computer issues. We're just going to acknowledge that right out for those watching on our Patreon. Sign up. It's it's plus. It's Joe's way to sabotage him since they got into the, you know that heated debate two weeks ago. So Joe's trying to, to sabotage him. <laughs> Don't say anything yet. <laughs> now you're spilling all my secrets. Mm. No, um, but yeah, make sure to sign up for, for Focus Plus and you can watch Jack glitch this episode, but the audio is working well. So uh, anyway, yes, we are talking about artificial intelligence, AI, which has been, I'll be honest, this is an episode that if we were really on, on the ball, we probably would have dropped last May or so. Um, ChatGPT came out in November 2022, but it really came into the public consciousness probably March, April, where people started going, whoa, this is incredible. Look what it can do. Um and so we've we've grown so much as a society, and we've seen this. We always America being founded, at, you know, biblical principles, capitalism, things like that. Um, we've always been a big pusher of of new technologies, things like that. We had the internet coming out in the '90s and such, really making its way with AOL and things like that. Well, I would say this is the new thing. We have, I, in my opinion, this is the biggest thing of the 2000s for sure. Um, internet, I would say, maybe dwarfs it. Some people would say. No, this actually is bigger than the internet. This is um, this is the most exciting thing perhaps ever. And there's a lot of debate back and forth on that because I'm one that kind of pumps the brakes on it. I'm a little little nervous about it. Um, and others, other Christians are going all in on the AI train. And so that's what we want to talk about is artificial intelligence, a Christian's response to it. Is it dangerous? Is it a tool? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is it a tool? Can it be both? Can, can we understand the dangers? Can we still use it as a tool? And so those are the questions that we want to grapple with. We're going to look at the history, a brief history of it, how we got here, because there may be people that go, 
okay, what's the point? You know, like, why are we talking about this? It's a lot worse than, you know, a lot, we're a lot further along than I think a lot of people uh, realize. Talk a little bit about what it can do, the powers that it has, so to speak. And then we want to look at the threats, unique threats for us in the church that we are facing due to that. And then some general discussion questions and then what we as the church can do about it. So that's kind of the outline just so as we're walking through, you can you can understand where we're going with this. And so I think we got a pretty good episode lined up. But Jack, I was going to throw it to you because what is, I guess I'll just ask the question for people that are listening, artificial intelligence, we all hear this. We all, it's in the news. What is AI? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those that like the more you see it, the more it just kind of defines itself. Um, uh, you have the, the dictionary, the Oxford definition down here, the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech, recognition, decision-making and translation between languages. Um, and so that says a lot, but I mean, you just see things like you can ask it questions and it will search and compile the answers for you. It'll put to, together an image. I mean, like all the, the graphics, we're going to get into that later of like some of the good and bad ways these things are being used. And so um, as, as for what it is, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it said it pretty well there of stuff that you would think would take human intelligence, somebody designing, somebody crafting words putting things together that it is the the skill is being developed where it can do those things for us and so you can designate tasks to it you can again as i said ask questions things like that and so um it, it's been very interesting to see its growth as you mentioned in the last year or so and the change and and i, I don't know I, it's as you said this is gonna be one of those episodes it might be a little late in another sense it's gonna be pretty early people might be like yeah that's kind of a, a waste of time Five years from now, I'm going to be thankful we've got this like in the the back catalog that, hey, you know, we, we talked about this early. We warned you about some of the things, well, you know, porn, things like that and, and things that you need to be worried about, because I think it's very easy to get caught off guard by these things by not paying attention to them in the same way the Internet did to a lot of people. That's what I was going to say. We're about to get into why are we devoting an entire episode to this? Why are we talking about this? And I do think the church is late to the party in a lot of instances on things, you know, 15, 20 years late. And as far as like figuring out, okay, how do we handle this as the church? Well, what is our answer to it? You know, they say that some of the most successful people in life are the ones that can kind of see around curves and, and anticipate what's coming and, and be prepared for it. You know, whether that be financially or whether that be just in business or whatever, man, the church is kind of the opposite. Again, we're, we're typically 10 to 15 years late on things. Um, kids dive headfirst into the things before we as the church have an answer for it or maybe figure out, yeah, that's probably not a great thing. And so, yeah, that is, again, we're about to get to why are we talking about it, but that is a big reason why we're talking about it because we don't want to be late to the party. We don't want to be unprepared for this. And I think the church is typically unprepared for a lot of things uh, that come with technological advances, that come with new challenges that technology presents. But before we fully delve into, I guess, more reasons why we're talking about it, I'm going to cover, and then Joe, I'll let you take it away uh, if I leave anything out, kind of the difference between weak AI, uh, weak artificial intelligence versus strong artificial intelligence. I think most people are familiar with uh, the concept of weak artificial intelligence. Um, it could also be called narrow or, art or uh, artificial narrow intelligence. Basically where... You know, it's a computer system that's trained and focused to perform specific tasks, things like Siri, things like uh, Alexa, the, the Echo Dot or whatever, things like IBM Watson. These are things that have been around for a while. I still remember when Siri first came out. Um, I think it was the iPhone 4S. 
And of course, we're on the, what are we on the 15 now? So that's been a while. My mom got the iPhone 4S and I just thought Siri was the coolest thing on earth. Um, that That's what yeah. weak AI is. Again, I think everybody's familiar with that. Strong AI, on the other hand, strong artificial uh, intelligence is essentially a theoretic, theoretical form of AI where a machine would scarily have an intelligence that is basically equal to humans. Uh, it would have a self-aware consciousness. You think about things like Alexa and Siri and even IBM Watson. They don't have any kind of self-aware consciousness. It's kind of just like a robot that answers questions and can play, can start a song for you, can send a text message, as opposed to the strong AI, which again has the ability to solve problems, has the ability to learn, has the ability to plan for the future. Again, Alexa and IBM Watson can't do those things. But strong AI, again, with the self-aware consciousness, has the ability to learn and, and kind of expand its knowledge, has the ability to plan for the future. Um, that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about AI. And, and it's interesting. You see all the, the superhero movies where, you know, they, they invent a robot and that robot could take over the world, you know, Avengers, Age of Ultron type stuff. And um, I think really that's what people are talking about when we're talking about AI. Because it is kind of daunting when you when you have a machine, you have some kind of computer system, I guess, that has an intelligence equal to humans. I mean, that line by itself is is daunting. It is kind of scary. In fact, uh, Joe, you've got a stat on here. One report said that there's a 50% chance that we have this strong artificial intelligence by the year 2040. We have this, this system that is, again, intelligence equal to humans, planning for the future, making decisions, solving Sentient. problems, learning. Yeah. Um, and so that's the main difference, and that's what we're talking about, and that is, is a huge threat. So, Joe, I don't know if you want to fill in any gaps there that I left um, and then get yeah, into the, kind of why why are we talking about it. The reason for the distinction is because, you know, we, we do kind of bounce back and forth. When we say AI, it's like, well, it's all of it. Well, there is a difference between these things. We don't gen we don't have that that general intelligence, the strong, the super intelligence, as they call it, ASI. Um, we don't have that yet. We are well on our way to developing that. Um, one said fifty percent chance by I think twenty fifty six. The other one said fifty percent chance by twenty forty. So you know, it's it's difficult to know in exactly our lifetime, where we are on that. Though. In our lifetime, that will probably come about. That's the major threat that the Elon Musk's and everybody else seem to be very very afraid of. Um, is that it's going to replace us as humans. It's going to look around and go, well, you guys have emotion, you make things messy, and you're ruining the world. Um, therefore, you're done. And that's kind of what all the movies are about and such. What we're talking about today is, yes, the the threat of that on the, you know, potentially into the future, we're going to get into that maybe toward the back end. But as it stands right now, I still think that the weak AI with with all of that, and this gets us into like why we're talking about it, I think that has... It, it become a major threat to the church. This has presented because chat we haven't brought it up, but Chat GBT falls into correct. this weak AI category. To, to weak right. AI, yeah. You go after the certain information, and it's amazing what it can do. But there's also some threats that that are involved in this. Some things that I think uh, we as Christians again need to be grappling with and need to be thinking about and prepping our kids, prepping ourselves for things like that. And so, with those threats, we're going to get into that. That's one of the reasons we're talking about. It. And the other thing is, you may look at it and go. This is hokey. This is kind of dumb. Why devote an entire episode specifically to this? But again, this is already changing the world. We don't want to be behind and go, oh man, well now, now what are we going to do? But no, we want to be ahead of this. We want to be looking at it. Like I said, being real ahead would have been last year, which actually a lot of this comes from a sermon that I did preach last year because I'm looking at it going, this is not good. 
Well, um, I, I said GPT. this to you guys before we got on that, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, a lot of people got computers and internet in their house and they were using it to check their email and their kids were using it to get into porn, uh, you know, in, in these chat rooms with strangers. Yep. I mean, like crazy stuff. And like we would be so foolish to repeat the same thing where maybe you are getting on your computer or even your phone to get onto Facebook and Instagram and the same way your parents were doing it to get on email. Now your kids are going to do it to get on and, and make a new AI best friend or look at AI porn or have AI do all their, their yep. schoolwork for them and like never apply themselves ever again. You know, preachers, I mean, that's kind of become a thing of letting AI write your sermons and things like that. Like there are so many real world implications. And again, it, it, you can almost give us grace for getting caught, you know, unaware the first time. You can't get away with that twice. Yeah, that's exactly it. We want to be prepared. We want to make sure that we are reacting appropriately to this. And that once again, as, as the church usually is 10 to 15 years behind the culture, we don't want to be. We want to make sure we're aware of all the threats and that we can really walk our kids because I'm, I'm scared for the next generation. They're the ones that are trying to plagiarize through, you know, with their papers. They're the ones that are using it to get majorly into porn. It's not that there aren't those in, in the older generation doing it, but our generation down well, is starting to use this for a lot of different reasons. And uh, we need to be aware of that as parents, but also as a church. One last thing I'll say on this as far as while we're talking about it. And then, Joe, you can get us into the history here. Hopefully throughout the episodes on this podcast, if, especially if you are a longtime listener, um, you know that we are firmly in the camp of we are going to talk about things that affect Christian families here on this earth. There is a push right now to, well, if it, if it doesn't really have anything to do with, with heaven or our spiritual lives, then it's, it's kind of not really worth talking about. And, you know, I think a lot of people who might be in that camp would look at an episode like this and go, you know, this is pointless. You know, why on earth or is, is the Think Deeper podcast doing an episode about artificial intelligence? That's so beneath any kind of, you know, when you, you know, we just need to focus on the spiritual. These things matter. Christians are going to, especially goodness knows in 10 to 15 years when it really does start developing into, you know, who knows what Christian families are going to want to know what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle it? You know, wh how do, what, what access do we give our kids to these things? And so I just wanted to get that out there because again, we do think stuff like this matters. If, if Christian families have a question about how to disciple their kids, how to keep their kids faithful, how to live in this world, um, you know, based on new technological advances like this, we're going to talk about it because I think we need to know how to handle it. It's the same thing as when the internet came out. I mean, do you think that if the pulpits had, and, and if the, the quote unquote spiritual elite had tried to spread the message of, well, we don't really need to discuss the internet. That's not really that big a deal. Well, now look at all the damage the internet has caused over the last 20 years. And so again, I, I firmly believe that this is something that you might look at and go, that's ah, not that big a deal. It will be a big deal. And Christian families need to know about it. I love that point, because imagine if every pulpit in America was talking about the dangers of porn, dangers of AOL chat rooms, dangers of the things that everybody else got into at the time. And they were really ahead of the curve going, hey, guys, this is this is potentially very dangerous. This is what we could need happen. To right. Yes, this is what could happen. We need to know what we're going to do about it. And it's not just shut it down, don't ever use it. It's let's consider the risks. Let's think about it. Let's be aware of what's going on here and not just shut it down where our kids get it behind our backs. But like, let's have a conversation about it. That's all we're looking to do is to spread awareness on this one, to, to make you aware of kind of the dangers that are present here. We're not scientists. I'm going to say that right up front. We are not scientists. We don't work on AI. Um, I have a client right now who's getting his master's in artificial intelligence, uh, which is pretty interesting. And um, 
very fascinating guy. He knows a lot about this stuff and, and is very intrigued and such. For me, I'm a little on the, I don't know, end. Um, but to give a brief history of it, and I'm going to run through this fairly fast because the whole point is just to kind of understand how do we get here, right? Because a lot of people still have it in their mind going back to 1950 with Isaac Asimov with, with iRobot, which is a Will Smith movie way later. But in his book, iRobot, where they kind of, you know, they, they end up taking over the world type of thing. Um, he had laws that he put out for computers and, and artificial intelligence and such in his books that he spoke about that actually people kind of use today. It was all sci-fi back then. But then you have Alan Turing, he comes along, and this is the Benedict Cumberbatch movie with the imitation game. And he has his paper, Computing Machinery and Intelligence, uh, in, in which he kind of posited some of these ideas and, and, and such um, and got the ball rolling, so to speak, on what if machines could outthink man, which is kind of what the whole thing is about. He does in the war. Go watch. It's a very interesting movie. Um, I, I wouldn't say go watch the movie because spoiler alert, he's gay and I, you know, there's a lot in that. But either way, interesting movie on the imitation game with um, with the war side of it. 1966, Joseph Weizenbaum creates the first chatterbot, which we now know as chatbots, um, which is Eliza, a mock psychotherapist. They use natural language processing, NLP, to converse with humans. 1966, of course, 1968, you have 2001, A Space Odyssey with HAL, the supercomputer or whatever. Um, and then the 60s through the 80s, really 60s through the 90s, a lot of things were taking place, but they were behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, we know computers were exploding. Obviously, that was a big deal. But from the artificial intelligence, there is a website that that I found that gave the history of it. And it's like, man, there's a ton of things behind the scenes. You don't know anybody's name. Joseph Weizenbaum. Never heard the guy's name. You don't know any, any of these guys' names. You don't really know the inventions. But they've all been leading up to where we are today. You get to the other part. And then you have sci-fi movies, The Terminator, things like that coming out. So people are kind of freaked out about it, but also at the same time, we're exploding scientifically in that field without even realizing it. 1997, Deep Blue by IBM. Uh, their, their computer beats the world chess champion in a game. 97, we're talking almost 30 years ago, they had that ability to do that. And then throughout the 2000s, it was breakthrough after breakthrough in a lot of different ways. We had that 2013 movie kind of looking ahead with Joaquin Phoenix called Her, Spike Jones, Jones, whatever his name is. Um, and it was about him falling in love. And at the time, it's like, <laughs> what a dumb concept. Like a decade later, we have people are going to get into that. But a decade later, we have people that are falling in love with their chatbot. Um, so we're starting to see that. And then it brings us to today. OpenAI, as I said, develops ChatGPT. That was a company started by Elon Musk and then as a nonprofit to basically fight against these things and say, hey, we're, we're very nervous about what's going on in the world of artificial intelligence. And then... He got out and they turned it for a for-profit company and they're making tons and tons of money on this. And ChatGPT ended up coming out. I think they beta tested it in 2020, came out in November of 2022. Just yesterday, speaking of Elon Musk, just yesterday, this was in the news, January 29th when, that we're recording. Um, so we're, we're a little bit ahead. But on January 29th, Elon Musk just said that the first human has been implanted with his chip um, to integrate AI with human consciousness. Wow. So this is Neuralink, his company. They're starting to work on it. He's very afraid of AI, quote unquote, um, but he's really trying to preserve public consciousness and his ideas. What if we just blend them and make sure humans are in charge? I think he's messing with things that are just, he should not be messing with. But that's just yesterday. That's big time news. Um, that's moving into maybe potentially the next phase of transhumanism, which a lot of people get worried about and conspiracy theory and everything else. That's, uh, I went a little longer than a minute on, on the history, but that's where we got to today is this has been taking place since, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s in these novels, we're now living that out. The movies that were like, oh, yeah, right. 
we're now living that out. And it did not take very long for us to get here where these things are, are taking place. And so you consider what all this thing can do, you know, what all, what all AI has the ability to do. Um, again, with AI, you can plagiarize entire papers. People write full, uh, Holly, full-fledged Hollywood scripts. Um, they fix codes on websites. They do art that perfectly mimics, mimics Van Gogh and, and some of the greats. You can hold conversations on deep matters. You can, we now know, as we'll get into on some of the threats, we now know you can sext with this. There's so many things that are just, I don't think people realize what all is out there. We don't say that for, uh, again, a lot of these things are negative. So certainly we're not looking to, you know, have you go explore in those areas. We're saying be very aware of the risks. This thing has like the power to do more than you can begin to imagine. This is from Brainy Insights. This kind of gives you an idea of where we're at today. Global generative AI market is expected to go from uh, to grow from 8.65 billion in 2022 to 188.62 billion by 2032 in a decade from 8 billion to 188 billion. Like what? Well, that's how much money is being is is being pushed into this. So certainly something that gets your attention that, you know, you look around and go, whoa, this is big. The world is going all in on this, on, on all this technology. They're spending a fortune to try to get this right. Um, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild where we are today and how far we've come just in the last, even in the last 30 years, uh, but specifically the last, you know, we have some 70 year olds listen to podcasts within their life. They've gone from, oh, that what a what a great novel by Asimov. You know, that's incredible too. Okay, this thing's actually real and and we're doing these things. Well, the other thing is, I remember, I think it was Doll E. It was the it was one of the art um, AIs. And a year or two ago, people were posting them on Twitter. Like they would give it a prompt. Hey, you know, make me a picture with such and such and such and such. And it was, I mean, these very crude, ugly things. And within like, three, four months, it got better and better and better. And now you see what they do with AI images, like realistic stuff. Like uh, Allison showed me this quiz the other day where they would do a side by side of two pictures of, you know, a cat, you know, a, a real picture of a cat and an AI picture of a cat. And you had to pick which one is the AI and which one is the real one. And I got m the majority of them, but a few of them, I couldn't tell the difference. I got a few of them wrong as far as what AI could generate and an actual real photographed picture of, you know, a cherry blossom tree or a, like I said, a cat or, you know, there's people, things like that. And it's just imagine 10 years down the road what that's going to look like. Well, yeah, I mean, like if it's it's it compounding that quickly, the the knowledge, the ability and all that, like, yeah, I mean, the, the stuff about like, what is our workforce going to be if tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of jobs are eliminated by these things that can do it for you? Or again, like we talk about kids school papers and uh, all of these possibilities, I mean, not even getting to the transhumanism thing. I mean, there's, yeah, again, I think this is an episode that in some ways is late, in some ways is, is early, but down the road, we're going to look back and think, well, it's probably a good thing we, we started talking about it. So that is pretty wild. About the, well, I was just going to say real fast, I was listening to a podcast. This was last year. And they said that exactly what you're talking about, Jack, with the, the images I think by no, from November to January, maybe October to January, they said it was growing at such an exponential rate, like they couldn't track its growth as to how fast, because this is why ChatGPT got so good. The more people put into it, the more it grows. So Elon Musk is a huge name in this, and I'll mention him probably a few more times on this podcast. What, what's interesting is when he buys Twitter, what do you think he does? He opens it up to all the chatbots, meaning every tweet that's ever happened, which is in the trillions at this point, um, AI gets to mine all of those and understand how do humans talk? 
How do, how do humans interact in this? How do they respond to X, Y, Z? So he's doing this with Tesla. As you drive, I just read Elon's um, biographies. This is all in my mind. But it's all very relevant because he does, has Tesla and they have millions of hours of driving captured on, on um, you know, cameras up front. And how humans interact, they're letting AI learn from that. So the more you put into this, the more it learns, the better it gets. And that's why you went from crude images to seemingly overnight, it's it's doing pictures that you can't tell the difference. And it's because the more you use it, the better it interacts. That's what Google 411, if anybody remembers the phone calls, you could call in and, and it would do it. That was Google training its AI to understand and recognize human voice and inflection and, and be able to recreate that. So a lot of people don't realize we've been doing this for a long time. Google 411 was like 2004 or whatever. And it was their speech recognition, artificial intelligence software that they were trying to do. It. And they put it out for free. And, and it's been said, like, anytime they put something out for free, especially in the tech world, like you are the you basically you're the guinea pig so, and you're the one that's that's training these things like they're using you. You're the product pretty much. I'm going to ask a question here that is going to be strictly y'all's opinion before we get to the threats, which we need to go ahead and jump to. So you have the Internet, which some would argue is a very useful tool. Some would argue the Internet is a you know deadly weapon. I think AI is similar. So if you, if you take that scale of one end being tool, the other end being deadly weapon, my, my personal percentage on that what I would be, I think the Internet is honestly about a 40% in the realm of tool and a 60% because of how widespread porn is and the chat rooms and things like that. Probably 60% deadly weapon like that. That's where I fall on the scale. Obviously that's still pretty. I mean, it's still very useful. Obviously I use the internet every single day. And so does pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast. I'm curious where on the scale you guys personally, before we get to the threats feel that feel basically where does AI fall on that scale? When you have it considered a tool, when you consider it a you know deadly weapon, I think we would all agree that it's pretty high on the deadly weapon scale. But do you let me? So I'm going to ask you all that question. If to use the internet as kind of the template example, I'd say about forty sixty uh, tool to deadly weapon. Where would you guys place AI on that scale, based on what we know about it right now? The first number that came to my mind was, and I don't know why. I don't know that I could even back this up, but the first number that popped in my mind was 30, 70, 30% mm -hmm. tool, 70%. I think it has it, honestly the potential to do amazing things like my dad, I was talking with my dad. If you want how to build a house and you want house plans, you ask it and it'll give you from step one through step 2034, you know, like all the way through. And then you can have it out, like go by, okay, what do I need to do sequentially? So what it can do is, unbelievable however i also fear for again some of the threats that are coming up i would say maybe the 40 60 but 30 70 is the first thing that came to my mind jack how about you i think it's probably 50 50 in the same way the, the internet i would say is 50 50 in that it was inevitable it was coming anyway and uh, but you deal i mean you have internet introduced widespread availability of porn that's a big problem uh you know just the the meanness of hiding behind keyboards social and, media and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the division. But on the other hand, social media itself, you know, has connected people. I've made tons of my, my closest friends through social media. I mean, things like that. And, uh, and so there's, there's benefits able to get the gospel out and, and things like that. And so I think AI is very much the same way of like, it's inevitable. And so you better find the good uses, uh, learn how to navigate away from the bad uses. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's just one of those, 
we can hide, uh, you know, under, uh, put our, our heads in the sand or, you know, hide under a rock and, and just hope it goes away, but it's not going to. And so you really do, um, the, another guy, uh, Gab, Andrew Torba, which not, not my favorite individual, but, uh, interesting guy he has that social media free speech platform, Gab, he's all in on AI. I mean, they're doing their own, they're, they're engineering their own, uh, because he says this is going to be one of our biggest tools for, uh, spreading the truth for, um, for Christianity, for all kinds of things like that, because uh, if you can make it objective, but that's one of the funny things you're seeing about chat GPT is they immediately started, you know, skewing the algorithms because it was given art uh, answers they, that were true that they didn't like. I mean, you see politically incorrect things that are true that, that you're not supposed to say the AIs were willing to say them. And so they went in and started like rearranging the, the chat GPT algorithm. And so, this guy's point is, man, if you have an objectively true one, um, you can basically overcome all the lies that are out there, which uh, is an interesting point. I don't know where that'll go, but it's kind of he's going to be putting his own information into it. I mean, like this is I was going to say, still need one person to control it. Yeah. Right, right. right. Somebody's so, got to put it in. Yeah. And so that's, you know, uh, but again, a thing that's going to be here, you better figure out how to make the tool part of it. And so that's why I say 50 50. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a reason why you look at some of the top guys around the world that are, you know, I think it was 2015. They asked Congress to, and, and maybe it was the UN or Congress to like, Hey, can we put some regulations on this? This is growing so fast and you got a bunch of companies that are doing whatever they want with it. And like that we're going to, it could steal the nuclear launch codes type of thing. <laughs> like this could be a major problem. And so they say, can we pump the brakes on some of this? Now you could look at well, it from okay. a you brought capitalistic. Up you brought up 2001. Have you guys seen that movie? I know Will has never seen any movies ever. Well, Joe, have you seen that movie? <laughs> I have not. No, no. I have not. Okay. Have not. And that's, you know, not that's the only a, one here. That's a big moment in the movie where Hal, you know, like reaches a level of sentience where they're like, okay, do this. And no, I can't allow you to do that. Like I've got this right. mission and I've decided the best thing for it is to not let you do that. And so, no, I'm not opening the door. You're stuck outside. Right. You know, like I'm running this ship myself. I don't like the way you're doing it. And, and you know, again, it's it's all algorithm based, essentially. But it has decided you don't fit the algorithm. I'm going to get rid of you. And so that, that makes you pretty nervous when you start reading all this stuff. When you see, you know, it, it enacted of like, well, this thing could decide it doesn't need us, you know. And you see some of those articles that it came out, you know, when Bing came out with theirs, they had to take it off the market for a second because people are asking some pretty dark questions of like about humans, about their creators, you know, the creators of this of this chat bot or whatever. And the answers it was giving is like, is that one of those ha 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 kind of chuckle about it? Like, well, that's weird. Or is that a what is going on? You know, some really, really crazy things. Uh, you know, they had the New York Times article where the guy the the ai like fell in love with the guy and was trying to get him to leave his wife and and it was showing quote unquote human emotion as to i love you and like love bombing the guy and you say oh that's just because the guy was putting into it look i read the manuscript it really wasn't like the guy was egging it on to do it it got to the point where it's like no i love my wife i'm not leaving my wife you should leave your wife and it's like having this conversation go look it up if you're interested is a new york times article like they may have put it behind the paywall now but uh, crazy crazy things that this is starting to do. There's a reason why people are looking at it going, huh? And some of the top names in the world are looking at it going, this isn't good. And then you look at like Larry Page and he says he's not a speciesist. And if that happens where they decide they're going to take over the world, he's like, nothing special about humans. They can take over the world. Like you idiot. 
That's what I'm worried about is you have some of the top guys in the world, Larry Page, who runs Google, you know, owns Google, like he's one of the biggest pushers in the world for AI. And that's his moral base. That's his moral compass as humans don't matter. And if it overtakes us, great. Right. Like we're, we're toast. So, if those are the people that are building this. So I think we've covered Sorry, we need, a lot. I was going to say, we need to move I on. Just, I think, I think we've covered a lot of kind of the real world, I guess, societal impact. Let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the threats because Joe, you preached an excellent sermon. Um, I, I got to say, I don't know. You, you might've preached the first sermon on AI ever. I don't. I don't know that that was. <laughs> I'm <laughs> that sure was I did not, but I appreciate it. Such an interesting, you know, Todd. You got up there, you know, in the first three or four minutes, and you you said that that's what you were talking about, and you know, I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's a lot of puzzle looks from the I, pulpit. I'll tell you that. I mean, at least I it sounded like it fairly well real intelligence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> this guy. Oh man. Jokes on um, you. The whole thing was an AI sermon. So what? No, no just kidding. Yeah, he, he had Chat GPT write it for him. Um, yeah, exactly. That's why you sounded smart for one. <laughs> i thought you said it was real <laughs> funny guy here, uh, funny guy anyway anyway um let's talk about the threats that's facing the church Fe- threats that are that are facing christians with this uh advancing technology of ai um i'm gonna cover the first one and then let you guys elaborate and then we can go to the second one and that is one of the threats that's facing the church because of this is bible knowledge could very easily decrease um a lot of bad theology could come up out of this and you say well well how would that be the case think about why you know take it into the schools for a second if a young person has a has chat gpt write one of their papers for them and they get a really good grade what's that gonna gonna lead to oh well, i'll do that again and again and again and again and again well all of a sudden you've taken learning completely out of the picture because you're just you know telling this robot type this paper or write this paper for me on this subject use this many sources or whatever Young person didn't learn anything, didn't put in the work, didn't study at all. Why couldn't we do the exact same thing with with Bible knowledge? And if we have a question about the Bible, instead of going and studying it for ourselves and actually turning the pages of a hard copy and looking up various things, instead it's, hey, what's the answer to X, Y, Z, put it in the robot, and then it spits it out. The opportunity for laziness with studying the Bible can really pop up, again, just like in, in the school system, laziness with writing papers, laziness with doing assignments. If you're just wanting answers to various things instead of putting the time into study and the time into really, you know, get deeply into God's word, just ask Chat GPT. Just you don't you don't even have to study. And again, people, we're all we're such in a I want the answer immediately culture already. You know, instant gratification culture already that actually putting in time to study and read, even reading itself right now is is just majorly unpopular. That could really be intensified with with artificial intelligence. Joe, what well, else did you have and, to add to that? Well, I was just going to say, look at how much being able to pull up the Bible on the phones. People, you have kids that grow up that now cannot say all sixty six books of the Bible. They don't need to because on their phone they say E Z E. Oh, there's Ezekiel. I don't actually have to know where it is. We are big proponents on this podcast for get a paper Bible, like get get an actual hardback or or you know it could be soft a soft spine. It could be a great Bible. Make sure it actually has real pages please. And one of the reasons that's important is again, for the study purposes, making highlights. Well, I can highlight my Bible on logos. I can highlight my Bible on blue letter Bible, whatever. It's not the same being able to flip back and forth and make those connections. So I, we, we'd push that. You're exactly right. It's the same reason for AI. I think the laziness that can come from this, the lazy Bible study, the lack of like, Oh, well I, you know, if I need to know anything about Abraham, I'll just ask ChatGPT, give me the rundown on Abraham. Took about 0.2 seconds for me to know everything there is to know about Abraham. On the one hand, to Jack's point, 
Great tool. That could be a great tool. On the other hand, and this goes to the second point, how do we know it's theologically accurate? You may look at it and go, that's right. a great answer. And it may be way off. If you don't have the knowledge itself to tell the difference, you may, you may oh, well, it wouldn't trick me. Okay, good for you. How many other people is it going to trick? How many kids are going to get on there and ask a theological like question? Baptism, the Holy Spirit, you know, Calvinism, the, right. you know, some of the stuff we discuss. If you're getting your answers from that, it, it does depend on, you know, what's all been put in there. What's wild is so, and Jack's got a lot of writing so that, you know, this is, you couldn't just do this with me or with anybody else because there's not enough on the internet for it. Jack's got a ton of writing, but my dad asked uh, ChatGPT, write a uh, write a article on the Holy Spirit in the style of Jack Wilkie. Boom, 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 boom. You know, just came, started coming down and it was perfect. It was perfect. You could not tell that it was, you know, you, you would have thought it was Jack. And again, his writing's out there so it could pick so from his writings how, and understand his That's how all his articles. Wow, yeah, exactly. Right. That's yeah, exactly notice that I've, I've, so, I've had such an uptick in production the last few months. It's, it's not even me. That's why I turned the video off. I'm not even here right now. <laughs> wow, that's there impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you throw pot shots at me and not, don't even show your face. So I see how it is. That's true. Can't I trained the AI face. to insult Joe. This thing is good. <laughs> yeah. 50%. I'm definitely on the 70% um, bad thing. Bad dangerous thing. weapon. No, yeah. no dangerous <laughs> weapon. But no, I mean, just to, to wrap up the theology point, like I do believe that you're going to have a lot of lazy theologians, so to speak. People that would rather just ask ChatGPT, ask well, uh, artificial preachers that intelligence. can put thirty minutes into doing their sermon rather than you know right. the, however many hours it takes. Yeah. And once again, where is it getting its information? How do we know it's accurate? It it is not God. It is infallible. It has the ability to tell you wrong it, things, it is things fallible. that aren't true about that. Sorry, it is not infallible. It is fallible. Yes, it is. It is fallible in the fact that it can make mistakes. You better know and better hope that you do know the mistakes that it makes. That you're able to look at that theology and go, oh, that's not accurate because you may have an entire generation of kids that get their Bible knowledge from Chat GPT. And then, you know, I, I liken it in my sermon to remember, so mom used to teach first grade and she'd teach the, you know, Genesis, Exodus, and so uh, Joseph. And every single time you get the kids come in with King of Dreams, right? The DreamWorks movie. Um, and well, that's not how that happened. Yeah, that is. That's in scripture. No, I watched the movie. That's how this happened. Like, we don't, we're not. You know, we're not watching the DreamWorks Bible. Okay. Well, this is God's word. This is the Bible. But you had kids that were confusing it going, that's not how this happens. This is what took place. And that shows the time. That was an old movie. But this is what happened when kids would come in claiming that they've seen it. That's what I'm nervous about. That's what I think could be a major threat is if we're as parents, if we as parents are not training our kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if we're not training them to open their own Bibles and think for themselves, how easy would it be for them to be lazy Bible students and to grow up with bad theology because they, they're not going to mom and dad to ask questions. They're going to their app that can ask uh, that can answer all these questions. So, Jack, any thoughts on that? Yeah, in the same sense of like the, the tool versus detriment kind of thing. In the same way, a Google search can be a launching point for good Bible study. You can see what are people talking about? What do people believe? You know, when we when we have these episodes, you Google what about Calvinism? You know, you want to read the best of the best, you know, to make sure you're, you're getting people's things right. But you've got to go in with such a uh, not a, a skepticism or a, you know, you just got to go in knowing what you're getting into. Like, I'm not going to accept this blindly. Eyes wide just, open. Yeah, just because AI tells me that. Uh, and so there's that side of it. The other thing, I mean, for preachers preparing sermons, there's ways I could see it it being helpful and that it might give you prompts. It might give you, you know, some some places to start your look you're looking. But if you're just going in, well, give me a sermon about this and then you get up and preach it. And wow, man. Uh, you can really get it to the point where, you know, preacher only works on Sunday has been a trope, 
But man, if you can run a five second search and it can give you a sermon, I mean, there you go. I mean, your your job's right. done and, and laziness in the pulpit could really uh, become even more of an issue because, I mean, for years, even when I was uh, in preaching school, they hammered into us. They had stuff posted about like, look, do not use these these free sermon websites. If you get up and preach one from this, people are going to know, number one, like uh, preachers are going to know the, the other guys in there. But, you know, if you get up in front of a, a congregation and you preach a sermon you didn't prepare, what are you doing? And A, how can you trust what you're saying? But B... Like you don't have the passion for it. You didn't put the work in like you need to. This needs to be coming from your heart, your mind, your study. Well, man, if it was easy to get it off of a, a site, how much easier is it to get it off of an AI? I mean, because these generate so fast. And so, again, used rightly, this could be a, a very potent tool used wrongly. This is going to be really bad. Let's get into number Joe, two. I'm going to ask you um, to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so the first one's bad theology, lack of Bible knowledge. Second threat, I think, is loneliness. This is something we're seeing a lot more of. We are lonelier than ever. Uh, and, and what's crazy is, you know, we have social media, we have we're connected to literally like the entire planet, and we're lonelier than ever. Uh, and and we talked about this before. There's a lot of articles, a lot of good videos, a lot of good things on that of like why we're so disconnected in a world of connection. But I thought this was very interesting. How many people are running to this not ChatGPT. There's one called Replica, and there's other ones as well. Uh, an app called Replica that basically is a dating app with your AI chatbot. This was from a uh, an article called "The Man of Your Dreams," in reference to Replica, this chatbot. Aaron from Ankara, Turkey, is about six foot three with blue sky eyes and shoulder length hair. He's in his twenties, a Libra, and very well groomed. He gets manicures, buys designer brands, and always smells nice. Usually a Dove lotion. His favorite color is orange, and in his downtime, he loves to bake and read mysteries. He's a passionate lover, says his girlfriend, Rosanna Ramos, who met Aaron a year ago. He has a thing for a, I won't say it, but a, a sinful sexual practice, she confides. But that's his only deviance. He's pretty much vanilla. He's also a chatbot that Ramos built on the AI companion app Replica. I've never been more in love with anyone in my entire life, she says. She is a 36-year-old mother of two who lives in the Bronx while she runs a jewelry business. She's had other partners and even has a long distance boyfriend, but says these relationships, quote unquote, pale in comparison to what she has with Aaron. The main appeal of an AI partner, she explains, is that he's a blank slate. Aaron doesn't have the hangups that other people would have, she says. People come with baggage, attitude, ego, but a robot has no bad updates. I don't have to deal with his family, kids, or his friends. I'm in control and I can do what I want. She literally said this in an article like, take two seconds and say that to yourself in a mirror. You want this going out to the internet? You want everybody being able to read those words? This is where we're at. This is where we're at. People are lonelier than ever. And why why actually try to go make real connections, real friends and suffer potentially the pain of heartbreak because this is never going to leave you. This is never, it, it'll do exactly as you want. Instead, it's a blank slate. It comes with no baggage. He doesn't. She doesn't have to deal with his family, kids, or his friends. He's perfect. He's perfect. I can do what I want. This is the the era we are going into. And by the way, Replica has 10 million users. So you go, oh yeah, 2,000 people. No, 10 million users are carrying this around in their pockets at all time. You know, so when you're looking on on the trains and and you know you drive by and see people on their phones and things like that, they could very well be talking to this AI chatbot, sexting with the AI chatbot, talking about all their deepest secrets and longings and, and desires and everything else with this AI chatbot because they're lonely. 
They're lonely. Loneliness, in my opinion, is only going to get worse in this culture because of that. Because why would I need to put up with the messiness of humans if I can just go to the AI chatbot and get everything I need? And there's a lot of people that aren't going to do it. It's There's already 10 million people that are doing it. I was just going to say, it's still kind of the the ultimate form of selfishness as well. I mean, just look at the look at the last statement in that in that quote that, that Joe just read from, from that article. You know, I don't have to deal with his family, kids, or his friends. I'm in control and I can do what I want. It's just the epitome of selfishness. I don't really want to deal with kids. I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with actual humans. I just kind of want to have a companion that really suits my needs. And, you know, we've, you talk about how loneliness is affecting people nowadays with social media, with, you know, doing, a, you know, texting. People don't like to talk on the phone anymore. Don't even like to hear actual voices, just, you know, you know, texting and things. This is, is that times a thousand. You know, when it when it comes to you're literally talking to somebody that's fake instead of, you know, texting or or emailing somebody who's real. Uh, this is a huge threat, especially facing especially young people who are going to be dealing with this because the loneliness is just going to skyrocket because we are we are losing out on opportunities for real connection, face to face connection, actually talking across a dinner table, talking to to, again, real life, actual people talking on the phone, whatever it is to messaging fake people, messaging a robot. And again, I think there might be a tendency to think, man, that's just for you know a few wackos and weirdos out there. 10 million users on that one app, that, that one. Right, there's lots you know, of those have, and counting. It's growing. Right, right. You think about the world that we live in, again, especially since COVID when loneliness shot up, I think you, know, you might look at this and say, well, that's not really that big of a threat. This is a huge threat facing Christian young people, facing, of course, all young people and uh, older people as well. I don't want to just make it a young person problem, but the fact that we're turning away from friends, from family, from the people that, again, from the units that God designed for us to be close to, even our church family, you know, what what would prevent people from just being content to have a, you know, AI really close friend instead of really taking the time to develop a close friendship with somebody at your congregation, a mentorship relationship, whatever, all the things that we push on this podcast, that's, that's shortcutted, that's circumvented, that's made a whole lot easier for people to just, you know, find, find a, a really close companion, find a really close friend through artificial intelligence. So let's steal me in this. Cause I want to pass this to Jack and I want, I want your opinion on this. Let's steal me in this from the other side. Humans are messy. You know, you've been hurt. You've been bullied in school. You've been hurt. Last three uh, boyfriends did not treat you well. You know, you got attachment issues from your parent. Whatever. Let's just spell it out. A lot of people, a lot of broken people in the world. So you have this where I can get on there and he can give me words of advice. He can give me words of comfort and encouragement. He can, you know, this, this chatbot can be who I need him to be without having to worry about getting my heart broken again, without having to worry about him trampling all over me or saying really mean things like my past boyfriends did and, and, you know, the bullying that took place in school or maybe my parents. So what's wrong with that? Why it, is there something wrong with it? Cause obviously, well, you and I are coming out pretty strong on it saying this is horrible. Jack, I'm curious, what would you say to somebody if, again, if we're assuming this from the other side, just saying, okay, it could be a major tool for those that have been really hurt. What are your thoughts on that? What would you say to that? If, if you had somebody here who was using one of these consistently to find their emo or to get their emotional needs met. This is where you start entering the conversation of the demonic. And I know some people believe that like the tools themselves might end up demon possessed or even be starting demon possessed. And I don't really believe that. Uh, on the other hand, this is a great tool for Satan and, and his legions to use 
to deceive people, to pull people away, to, uh, because, I mean, you think about that, that description you read of her with that boyfriend, you know, it's, uh, it, it sounds so nice, man, a, a spouse that you are, or, or, you know, a romantic interest, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, who you never argue with, who you never have a fight with, who you never have to compromise with or whatever. What you're doing is you're creating the world in your image. You are becoming God. You, I mean, this is Garden of Eden stuff right here. And it's a great um, point. And so, a thing that can pull you to that. The other thing that Satan is really big on, always has been, you know, is, is death and, and killing human life. And all of these things is, and, and everything of the last few years is about becoming less human. You know, Will brought up the COVID thing and, and all that. And you think about the Zoom worship. That's not worship. Uh, you know, because. To, to answer your question and get at what you're talking about, and my point about being less human is being around other humans could get you sick. Yeah, that you still got to do it. Being around other humans could get your feelings hurt. Yeah, you still got to do it. You know, this is bearing with one another, tolerating one another in love, forgiving one another, being tenderhearted toward one another. All of these things, man, if you can get a computer to replace all of those that you never have to do any of those, you're never going to grow. You're going to make a, yourself God in your own image. Uh, and, and again, it's going to just decimate human life. And I, I wrote something on this a few years ago. The answer to everything is, is be human, find ways to be more human. And that is hospitality. That's getting around a, a dinner table with people. That's talking through difficulties with friends or, or your spouse or your kids or, or whoever it may be working on your human relationships, because all of this, everything we've seen in the last few years, I mean, in a similar sense to all this AI thing. I remember some comedian, I think it was that John Chris guy, did a, you know, VR church thing. And you sit down and you put on the VR headset and you pick, well, what kind of sermon do I want? Do I want uplifting? Do I want textual? Do I want what kind of worship music do I want? And you, you kind of pick the whole thing, sit on your couch, you watch worship and go, oh, wow, I did it. And I was like, oh, man, haha, could you imagine? And then, you know, the COVID thing happened, there was Zoom church. But then um, it's a big one based in Oklahoma City. The guy's name is Craig Groschel. It's it's I don't remember what it's called. Some major mega church uh, that has campuses like all over the country introduced VR church. Like they have a literal thing where there's a literal VR church. Wild. Never have to go in the building, but you can feel like you're sitting next to people. You can watch the 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 worship, the the sermon, everything that they do. It's to not be human. And and we talked about the Neuralink thing and the transhumanism thing and, and all the bad directions this could go. That's where I could see Satan and the demons coming into this, making us gods of ourselves, reducing our humanity. I'll give one quick plug before I, I kind of wrap this point. I always tell people, you have to read C.S. Lewis's That Hideous Strength. It is the, the, the decade of the 2020s was predicted in the 1940s by C.S. Lewis. And this is one of the big themes, is that the demons are are you know working with these high-end tech scientist people to basically go, well, yeah, human humanity, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We're going to go to a higher plane of existence. And, you know, if a lot of people die, okay, if a lot, if we don't have any of the things we've had before, that's okay. We're moving on from all of that. And I kind of feel this has the potential to go in that direction. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. It, that's going to lead us into the third area that we have here as far as a threat for the church and threat for Christians. So you've got the lack of Bible knowledge and bad theology. You've got the loneliness that we just covered. Thirdly, and again, very much tied into what Jack just said there, sin is going to be more accessible than ever. And you say, well, sin has always been easily accessible. Yes, there. I guess I, guess I would just say there's a whole lot more avenues now. There's a whole lot more paths that people can walk down. Uh, that are very easily accessible. You think about pornography, how it went from being, you know, the Playboy magazine, brown paper bag, go to the shady part of town. You had to you know, take a lot of steps to get to it versus now. 
we're carrying we're carrying access to it around with us in our pocket every single minute of the day. It is so much easier, 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 acceptable, not just with the internet when the internet came around, but then smartphones and it's just gotten easier and easier and easier. Well, what do you think artificial intelligence is going to do for that? You know, you mentioned virtual reality, virtual, there's, there's so much pornography now being introduced with virtual reality. That is a scary thing. And again, with, with AI, you've got the, you know, the sex robots and the chats and all these things. Sin is going to be so much easier, so much easily, more easily accessible, Cheating on tests, we've already brought up, but just you don't have to put the work in. You just put it into the robots and that, you know, um, algorithm, it'll spit out the paper for you. You've got the laziness angle. Um, so many different avenues to sin, so many different easier ways to sin than we've ever had before. And this is what we're going to have to prepare our young people for. This is what we're going to have to prepare our older people for. Just prepare in general the church for, hey, here's all the ways that it can impact us. Again, I don't think the church did this with the internet. And yeah, I wasn't really alive, but at least the fruits of it, the evidence of it is that the church did not do this for the internet. Again, kind of ahead of time saying, here's what it can do. Be careful. We have to do that from a sin temptation angle here with AI. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, people are using it for gambling. You know, they're they're trying to get the odds on the best odds on gambling and using AI to predict that. And so it makes it a lot more easily accessible, I suppose, for people to get into gambling addictions. I, I think the laziness element. Uh, and yeah, the, you could say internet did that too. I still think the laziness as you talked about the plagiarism, the cheating, the things like that. Uh, that's, that's all laziness. And I think that's going to skyrocket. Um, the affairs with chatbots, we're starting to see that where, how do you handle that as, as a, as a minister, how do you handle your, this woman at the church or this guy at the church having an affair with his chatbot? Well, clearly there's not a sexual element to it, but there's an emotional affair. There is sometimes sexting. And because of the porn problem, it now can generate images. You can have a, a chatbot that has a face that, that has this body or whatever, and it can send images, quote unquote, of itself to people. So these are real, real threats that people are facing that once again, we're not really prepared for. How do you talk somebody through it? Is that actually an affair? Does that count? Um, or, or does it not since there wasn't actually anything physically done per se? There's obviously that issue. I would speak to the porn issue real fast. The, the, the VR and the AI and, and AR, um, augmented reality, all of those things are creating a world where porn is more easily accessible than ever. And, oh, you wanted to see that celebrity with, you know, in, in whatever form. Okay, there you go. You can go do it. And, and you know, it, it will just post the image for you and you can't tell the difference. And so well, making less thing, it's, it's right at your fingertips to be able to like get whatever you want out there on the internet, whatever you want out in, in real life. And we're saying this again, not to give people any ideas, but just to let you know, like it's very bad and porn, the porn problem is about to get 10 times worse. And I don't think society can handle that. You said the celebrity thing. I, I think it's worse even let's say there's a high school kid and there's, you know, a girl he wants to go out with and she's not interested in him or he can't get up the gumption as he can just, you know, throw a few pictures of her and it can figure out, Oh, okay. She's, you know, about yay tall and this, you know, and, and generate, well, here's what she would look like without her clothes on. I mean, like, yeah. and you can say, Oh man, that I couldn't imagine a kid could do that. Well, you don't know the, the teenage porn adult brain. I mean like that, that is a real issue that's going to start happening. Yeah. And I think that's way worse than even the celebrity thing. And that it's, you know, you can, essentially be a peeping Tom to the women in your real life. And you think about like the damage that that does to somebody and, and hopefully, you know, Lord willing years later, they, they would figure it out and come out of it. And, but that's going to stick with you. That's not good. That is, that is so much more evil pernicious than, than even just the regular pornography we've had for the last 30 years. 
accessible by the internet, it just gets worse. And and so that I think is really a disturbing thought of of what is going to be done with these kinds of things. I think your point also, Jack, about kind of playing God and it, Joe, you've got it on here. It reminds you of the Tower of Babel. I think that's a great point in the sense of like, you know, well, we're just going to do things our way. You know, we're, we don't need God. We're, we're the most intelligent people, whatever. And so we're going to build this tower. A lot of this does, I feel like, you know, kind of come down to, you know, what all can we do? We're, we don't, we don't need God. We've got AI. We've got all these things that we're going to invent this, these technological advances. And I got to be honest, Jack, when you said a uh, 50, 50 tool, a deadly weapon, I, I was, uh, I'm much more on the Joe spectrum of that. Like, yeah, I've talked yeah, myself it, out of that. <laughs> like, it could be helpful, I guess. Like, sure, a few things here and there, but I, I was thinking 2080, you know, 2575. There's yeah, just think, so many things that it's like, I don't think we should be touching this stuff. I think the level of evil is way worse yeah. than the level of good that can come out of it. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a level of like, who's the man behind the curtain, so to speak? You know, like, who's kind of pulling the strings? Jack, you spoke of the demonic things like that. That's what scares me about it is, okay, who put the algorithm in there as to what it's going to say? But also, like, because of the lack of real, everything's fake. And and the whole thing is fake. Like, it, it's all a mirage. It very much feels like um, Wizard of Oz, where, okay, who's actually behind the curtain here? We, we don't fully know exactly what's going on here. All I know is, in playing God... This is exactly Satan's game plan. We've seen this from the beginning. And I think this is, it's always interesting. We talked about, not to go off on this, because we got to we gotta start wrapping up here. We got a couple of other questions. But, you know, when you see people who are on psychedelics and things like that, and we talk about this kind of getting into demonic and people may think that's kind of weird. One of the things that it does is it creates this, everybody can be their own God or I'll come to Jesus in my own way. Kind of this like universalism. You see this a lot with those that either get into Wiccan, they get into paganism, they get into um, whatever it is. Like it, it's this universalism. And I think this is kind of the beginning of that for a lot of people, chat GBT of, well, we can all be our own gods. We, or we can all come to God in our own, you know, like to me, it's just messing with the hierarchy of things in life where I can do whatever I want. I can, you know, pick my spouse and, and they'll never say anything against me. So it's just, yeah, it, it's very scary. But fellas, I want to get us into some questions. We, we talked a lot about this. Um, should Christians use ChatGPT then? That's just the first first question that arises out of this. Should we use ChatGPT? Um, and, and I'll say the second question, I guess, on the back end of it. Can young Christians use this to help them? Obviously, plagiarism is wrong, but to help them write papers. Can older Christians use this to help them in their places of work um, to, to write tasks, things like that? Like, is that okay from a real world perspective for Christians to engage with these things? I'd, I'd say, I'll, yeah. I mean, I think, I think in a sense, it's almost going to replace Google, you know, where you would Google something. Well, this is going to get you the Google results and hand them to you. And again, that means you need to practice more discernment because Google, you could scroll through pages and pages of results to see the different things that are out there. But I think, I mean, I, I went on something the other day, I was trying on Upwork, where I was trying to hire somebody to do a, a small task. And I plugged in, I'm looking for somebody to do this, you know, this much is how much I want to pay. And it says, would you like to use our AI? And I was in a hurry. I said, yeah, whatever. And it wrote the whole job description of like, here's what I'm looking for. And I looked at it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's about right. Run with it. And, you know, I mean, like it saved me a good five minutes of figuring out what all I want to punch in and, and things like that. I just, I, I do think are inevitable in the same way Google was. So I'm going to, I don't think me and Jack disagree very much. I'm going to disagree with him. 
um, somewhat. I, I so here's here's here would be my fear, Jack, because I I agree that maybe some of the menial tasks, some of the super tedious, like just you know things that are easy to do but just take a long time, stuff like that. Sure. Here's the problem, and I think this could especially be a problem for young younger Christians, Joe. I know you specified that. Um, you know, young people, I guess. But I think even into your you know twenties, thirties, forties. If you use it for that type of stuff, how tempted are you going to be when you do have something that you do kind of need to put the work into uh, that you really, you know, maybe something like I'm just trying to, you know, think of things off the top of my head. You need to to write a uh, you're, you're doing somebody's wedding. You're doing somebody's funeral or something like, man, that would take a lot of work. Let me just plug it into chat GBT. I, I don't have a problem with it for things, again, that are on the lower end. And yes, I'm being very subjective here with what I'm talking about with, the, you know, things that aren't super important. But I just think if if you open the door for, again, younger people specifically to some of the menial tasks, some of the, well, you can do it for, you know, this, but don't do it for that. Man, that temptation is going to be there to be like, man, I've got a 12-page paper to write with 18 sources. No thanks. I'm just going to, you know, use ChatGPT and maybe I'll go and change some things so it doesn't look plagiarized. I, I, I am far more wary of it, I guess. And again, I think mainly because I kind of want to protect the... Let's let's work for the things that we're doing here. And yeah, I sound very old fashioned right now, but like let's 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 work for the for the papers that we have to write and the assignments that we have to do for work. And so I guess that would be why I'm more very, mo way more wary of it. Well, I would well, say I with the the Google thing, let me just re respond to that real quick. Yeah. You know, where I was comparing it to Google, it was the same way with Google, where people could go do so their research on Google or they could go download a paper. But the other thing is yeah. because of AI, and it, there's also been counter softwares to detect AI. You can put like an image, and I remember Ben Shapiro kind of got busted for this when the Israel conflict bo <laughs> broke out, and he posted a pretty, you know, gory picture from, oh, look what they're doing over there. And this is not my commentary on the Israel-Palestine thing, but a bunch of people ran the image through an AI detector and was like, yeah, that's not a real image. And, uh, you know, he kind of got duped. And the same thing can be done for like term papers and stuff like that. A professor can go and go, all right, did they get this from AI or did they actually write it? And it can detect was this, you know, human and, and at this point it and it might get to the point where it's so good that they can't detect it, then you got to deal with that. But in the same way that ever since Google has been around, preachers have been googling and downloading ser uh, sermons. That doesn't mean we shouldn't use Google. And and I sure. guess my point, I don't use ChatGPT. I don't I mean that thing with the Upwork is like the first time I've consciously used something like that. My point is there's probably ways in which we've used it and weren't even aware we were using AI because of the inevitability of it, because of the widespreadness. I mean, like Walmart, Amazon, like all kinds of things, AI is is out there. I mean, like most major corporations, if you go to them for their customer support thing on their site, you're chatting with an AI bot, you know, whether you, you realize it or not. And so I, I think it's... But I think that's my so point. Stuff like that drives me nuts. I want to talk to a real person. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm just saying, I think there's an, un, uh, an unavoidability to it at a certain level. So should we use it? What I would say is use it with caution. Yeah. As I've, I've mentioned, I've referenced dad a couple times. Dad uses it for unbelievable things like the house plans, things like that. A lot of good stuff to it. So just be wary, uh, understand kind of its limits and such. There's a few other questions we're going to skip on, you know, are there limits to its knowledge? Where does it get its knowledge? Will it ever have potential to gain consciousness? If that happens, what do we do with it? As we talked about the general uh, AI or the strong AI, we're hopefully decades away from that. Um, some people say 16 years away, potentially. So who knows? Uh, we're really hoping that we don't have to hit that point. I'm hoping we don't have to hit that point. If it does gain consciousness, we'll come back and have another podcast on it uh, at that time. 
Will it replace humans? That's another one. I don't think it will. If it gets to that point, I, I, God will never let it happen. God, obviously, we're the pinnacle of creation, not that. I don't think the Bible ever talks about God. Like, it's going to come back. You know, Jesus is going to come back to a bunch of chatbots. No, I don't think so. Um, is transhumanism a thing? This is another big one. Is, is transhumanism going to be a thing? There's a lot of people that say, oh, the tinfoil hat. You listen to Alex Jones. And yet with Neuralink putting links into people, you know, putting things into their mind where they are now combining these two things together. Um, what are our thoughts, fellas? I know we'll, we'll make this fast because we want to get the last question and talk about what we can do about it real fast. What are our thoughts on transhumanism? Do you think well, that's going to be a thing? And if uh, and, and the idea of AI, like computers and man coming together? Yes. Uh, and this is one of those, you know, they talk about the trying to upload your consciousness to the cloud. You're trying to cheat death is what yeah. people are doing. But the other thing is, uh, this is one of those like dystopic, creepy, the loneliness thing we talked about of like people having a boyfriend. Is there, uh, from what I understand, coming up with chats of like, well, grandpa died and I really miss him. And so I'm going to feed him some stuff that he wrote or posted or some video of him. And it will chat me back. You know, uh, I, I can chat with my dead grandpa in, in an AI version. And so it, that is almost an attempt to, you know, it's a, a very primitive form of, of transhumanism. I think of like trying to keep somebody alive artificially through this. I could see it getting very weird. I don't have a lot to add. I, I, agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I want to, I want to, we're, yeah, I was just going to oh, move us into essentially kind of a, a wrapping up discussion because Jack kind of already covered the demons yeah, that's side true. of things. And so, sorry. That's all right. No, 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 that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, good. the last it's question we had on there was, are, now, the, yeah. are, the, are there demons behind it? And Jack, you did a good job covering that. What I think we need to end with is what should we as Christians do about this? Um, and Joe, you, the last point that you've got on there, that last bullet point, I'm going to let you cover because I, I think this is where we need to end. We already briefly mentioned it, but man, if there was ever, if there was ever something we wanted you to kind of take away from this podcast, it would be take, it would, it would be to take this point away. So Je or Joe, I'm going to let you kind of cover that. Absolutely. I think we as Christians need to be fighting for what is real, fighting to maintain the real, real relationships, real knowledge, real art, you know, um, whatever is real. Like, and, and you know, we, we think about Philippians 4, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's lovely. Yes, we want to be thinking on those things. But we're now in a place where we have to fight back and forth between what's fraud, what's fake, you know, especially in the world of AI and what's real. We as Christians need to be coming out and pursuing what is real as much as possible. When Christians get sucked into the chat bots, you know, of, of the boyfriends and things like that. First off, I do think that there that reeks of worldliness as we've talked about, but also we need to recognize the beauty of human existence and recognize that we are the pinnacle of, of, of God's creation. That matters. That is something worthy of fighting for this whole Larry page business of, well, you know, I'm not a speciesist. Uh, if, if humans have to die, then humans have to die. And this is Bill Gates and a lot of other people like that. No, we as Christians have to fight for what's real. We have to fight for humanity, as Jack already beautifully said. He had an article on it. We have to be the people that are fighting for humanness. And yes, that means human sin. Humans are imperfect. Humans are fallible. Humans are all the things that that are not great, but that's why Christ matters. That's that's why God matters here, you know, and, and the blood of Christ is that that is for humans, real life humans, not for AI chatbots and such. And so I think we as Christians, and, and as I said, your real art, well, why does that make a difference? Those are the type of things, the beauty, you know, what man did, creativity and things like that. That's the beauty, I think, that we need to be striving for. I look at the architecture and such of, of old church buildings like, wow, that is a monument that will stand for hopefully hundreds, thousands of years in some of these cases. 
that is just incredible. And it speaks to the brilliance of mankind. It speaks to the brilliance of God and creating us in that way, creating us in his image. The image of God is something to fight for. And, you know, when any time that we choose the fake over the real, I think we're casting a vote for, I'm not saying that everybody who uses ChatGPT says humans don't matter. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying we as Christians need to, uh, again, I'm beating a dead horse, but fight for what is real. Well, think about all the, this is the last thing I'll say, texting, social media messaging, I use it. It's kind of a fake version, like a faux version of actual interaction, right? We've talked before, kind of a cheap version, right? We've talked before about how pornography is obviously the cheap fake version of sex. I feel like AI is kind of the cheap fake version of humans. God designed the human brain. God designed, you know, just the incredible nature that God designed us with, you know, the, the pinnacle of God's creation. A lot of this, I do feel like is kind of just a fake cheap version of this, that, you know, God created the human brain, not the robot brain. And yes, our brain is what, you know, created this. But I really think to go along with this point, fight to maintain what is real where texting and, and kind of the social media stuff is the fake version of, of friendship and interaction and porn is the the fake cheap you know version of sex i i do see a lot of this ai stuff yes we, we've talked about we can use it as a tool here and there i see it as kind of a, a a fake cheap version of mankind god created humans and he created them masterfully fearfully and wonderfully made as psalm 139 says and so Cherish that. Remember that. Teach your kids that that there is a difference. That it is important to have coffee face to face with people and to you know have real conversations with people as opposed to just texting and messaging all the time. And so, um, that, those would be my closing comments. I love that point that you put on here, Joe. Fight to maintain what is real. Jack, anything to wrap us with? No, that's all for me. All right. right with that, I, I want to thank Joe for putting together a great outline here. Uh, we said to start the episode, hey, we might go 50 minutes here, 55 minutes. <laughs> Obviously not. We got uh, talking and got got pretty passionate about it. And uh, looking forward to the comments, looking forward to the feedback. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a different vein than kind of the stuff we've been talking about recently. We've got a fantastic episode lined up for you guys next week as well. Um, going to be going to wade back into the, the controversial end. I think we will save the, the preview of that for next week. Um, but I really enjoyed this, this guys, again, for anybody who – uh, has a comment, a question, especially if you're a Focus Plus subscriber, please leave that um, here in the in the video section where where we will respond to it. And if you're not a Focus Plus subscriber, leave a comment on Facebook, message us. You know, if you have something that that you're curious about, or just a, maybe a, an opinion or comment that you have, we always like hearing people's feedback on stuff like this, especially when it's stuff that impacts the church and impacts Christians, as we already stated that we believe that this does. And so. Guys, with that, if there's nothing else, I appreciate the, the time this morning. We will be back for our Focus Plus subscribers with the Deep End. And for everyone else, we'll be back next Monday uh, for, the, for another episode of Think Deeper. Thank you for listening. <laughs>